Welcome to Ohio's very own a Welcome to Ohio's very own a bi-weekly podcast about uh, theology from a couple nerdy guys in the Canadian. Um, I should mention we're also from Ohio and not just nerds because that would make the title make more sense. Anyway, thanks for uh, coming back for our second episode. And if you're new, thanks, Mom. Um, she did not listen to the first one. She did not listen to the first one. <laughs> Ooh, that's painful. <laughs> we talked about that in the car today. Anyway, so we have a new segment to start things off with, um, which we may or may not have theme music for uh, by the time you listen to this. Uh, but it's Matt's Big Question. Matt's Big Question. And every week, uh, Matt, our Canadian Perspective Correspondent and Producer, will present John and I with a big question. We do not know what this big question is prior to him asking it. Uh, he just has a big question for us. So... Matt. Okay, gentlemen. So picture this. We find life on a distant planet. Okay? There's there's 100% proof that it's life. We've talked to them on Skype. Okay? Skype. Assuming they have Skype. Oh, it's jo- an advanced John, alien race. Of course Skype. it has Skype. I mean, they could just have FaceTime. So anyways, we know they exist, we've talked to them, we've communicated with them. What does that mean for the Bible? Hmm. Are we still created in the image of God? There's another intelligent race. Is that, are, they in, in, are they in the image of God? Are we in the image of God? Are we all in the image of God? Do they have a Jesus? Is our Jesus any less special? Do they have a Do they have a Messiah? Is what I'm saying. Do they have some kind of savior? Did God play out the same story on both planets, or are they two different, separate experiments? You've asked too many counter questions <laughs> to the single question. These are just the thoughts going through my head. I mean, I, the question is: Are they anything like us, or are they like okay? If it's a Vulcan. You know, like, I I have some very real questions for the Vulcans. You know, like, but, like, if it's, like, a weird crystalline thing, I'd be like, I got some more questions about that. Like, Vulcans, sure. Weird crystalline things, I don't know. Okay, so real talk for a second. There's um, this episode of Star Trek, I think it's the original series, um, where it's a bunch of different... Um, species, humanoid species trying to figure out who, like, the origin of life and whatever. And they find out that they all come from the same origin. And, like, they're all humanoids because they're all based on the same original pattern or whatever. I think I'm remembering this correctly. Anyway, is no, that the are. case in this episode. scenario? What? I remember that episode. Okay. Yeah, with the Cardassians, Romulans, Klingons, and humans. Yeah, like they're all very different species. Yeah. But they all have the same original source. So that's what came to mind when you raised your question, I guess. I don't... Man, why... I don't know. Yeah, like, it's a super intriguing question because, like, we don't often... We kind of think about aliens, but, like, the way we think about aliens are like, yeah, aliens were just chilling with us for a while. We don't understand aliens. But, like, if we had aliens that we could actually understand, in the sense of, like, they were just as fallible as we were, and all sorts of other things, I don't think we'd ever really ask that question. Like, Does the gospel extend beyond Gentiles into the aliens of another world? I'm not looking for answers. These are just my, re- this is my reaction to your question. Yeah, it seems it seems to me that the the Bible, uh, the Christian Bible is written for us on Earth. So you don't think the gospel extends to 
extraterrestrial extraterrestrials. I don't know. You know, there is the theory that God is an alien. Hmm. Yeah, that's just really bad readings of everything. Coming from the guy who thinks there's a uh, an entity in a in another place watching over us and giving us everything that we need for life. Yeah, but like if you read like the Sumerian texts and they're like, oh yeah, this king lasted for like twenty eight, yeah, twenty eight thousand years, and they're like, clearly he's an alien. I'm like, how how did you jump to that? They were like, there's no other logical explanation. Like, I'm gonna drop some uh, some Jamie Walters here. See, I get to do that. Um, but you know, one of the things is that like ancient Eastern cultures, like they would do they would over-exaggerate or numbers were idealized. They weren't like actual numbers. Especially when you're talking prehistory. Like, so this king lasted for 28,000 years. Okay, he's an alien. What? So anyway, um... You just like tried to nuke my very real point and you were like, I wasn't following. I I really wasn't following it. I don't... I'm sorry. the, The point is that like, to be like an ancient alien theorist you essentially have to study like all the linguistics but you don't have to study any of the culture because like to them culture makes you know like culture nukes their theory immediately he's using that word a lot nukes yeah smooth transition (laughs) but before we transition to nukes um I think it's I like this answer better than, like, the argument for alien existence is that um, the possibility of them existing is very mathematically probable because there's an infinite number of uh, uh, planets and an infinite number of solar systems because the universe is always expanding and growing, whatever. And so mathematically, there should be other life. But I think if there isn't, other life on other planets despite the mathematical probability that means our existence on earth is even that much more special and if we are the only intelligent life in the universe um, then we're truly something from God if we prove the mathematical probability wrong does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Cool. I, I see I get what you're saying we're also, like, really special, too, if uh, there's other terrestrial objects, right? Are we? I don't know. Okay. Especially if they're humanoid, I don't, I, I'm really doubting our, our being special. Okay. That's, that's it. We've exhausted the uh, possibilities we have for Except to say that being a Cardassian would be awesome. Because in that episode of The Next Generation, aren't they the ones that, like, blow it up? They're always blowing something up. Yeah, like, the Cardassians, like, man, you don't have to worry about anything. Like, as a Cardassian, you're just like, can we blow it up? Yeah. Real quick for our less nerdy listeners, he's not saying Cardassian. He's referring to a species of alien that is fictional from the Star Trek universe that was popular is it long before OJ killed anybody. Yeah, because that's where the Kardashians got their fame because their dad was OJ's lawyer. That's why I said OJ. Oh, got it. I, I thought, okay, awesome. All right. I, I thought it was just a figure of speech. Like, <laughs> man, we're, we've been doing this podcast since Nam, man. Like, oh. <laughs> gosh. No, I... Isn't that something that Americans say? I don't know. No. Okay. No, that's... No. Okay. Actually, there's a Kent State shooting thing from Ohio. You should probably look that up. (laughs) All right. Actually, that transitions well, too. (laughs) It kind of does. So today we're talking about uh, violence. We have some things we want to cover, but no really specific order. Uh, Matt uh, has shown um, John and I an article... Matt, do you want to talk about that article? August 9th. We have an article from the Washington Post. Are they fake news? Washington, the Washington no. Post? No, that, that's real. It's real news? Mm-hmm. 
Well, most of the time. Okay. What I'm saying is they're not an onion. Well, I I wasn't talking about satirical news. Oh. I was talking about Trump's uh, list of sites that are good and sites that are bad. No, this is probably a... Yeah, Trump probably doesn't like the Washington Post. So it's fake news. I mean, it's it's fake news. Yeah, it's... So the Washington Post uh, has this article from August 9th that says, uh, the title is, God has given Trump authority to take out Kim Jong-un, evangelical advisor says. Um, obviously, this is uh, about a month old uh, on the day of recording, a little over a month. Um so it's a little old, but it's one that really struck me, and I've kind of had it highlighted uh, since I first saw it on Twitter. Um, because it, um, it, it it highlights this really interesting thing that this evangelical leader says, that, uh, yeah, God supports, um, yeah, God supports this violence against North Korea, against the enemy of America. So I sent this article to these fellas. I'm wondering your your first impressions of it. I can link it in the, um, the podcast feed, so you can also take a look at it if you're listening. I think my first reaction is, this is assuming a lot about... America's place in God's plan. Um, it's assuming that America, like God's chosen people, that title has transitioned from Israel to America somehow. And that God places more importance on Americans than others. Because Violence against Kim, Kim Jong-un, especially maybe in a nuclear fashion, isn't going to harm just Kim Jong-un. It's going to harm a lot of North Koreans, possibly Koreans and anyone else in any other surrounding area. If Kim Jong-un is suddenly gone and there's a vacuum of power, it's going to cause a lot of damage in that country to a possibly innocent people. And I don't think God condones the slaughter of innocents for any reason, whether it's to take out an evil dictator or not. Also, America is not without its faults. So who did God give authority to police America? If America's policing North Korea... Who's policing America? Oh, wait, we're God's chosen people. Never mind. My bad. It's like the Israel narrative that evangelicalism wants to say about America. I think it calls that into question. I mean, he clearly has some theories about it. Like, he's hook, line, and sinker sold on the idea that America is God's chosen people. That's fine. But then you start to think about how you tell that story to people. And you start to get to a point where it just feels like when Jesus says he's come to set the captives free, there's no way you can narratively explain that. If you start from this perspective of we are the new Israel. You know, like... like who are the captives? Like, woo, I'll be honest, I don't think we have a captive as such in the United States. You know, like, if you start from that explanation. And so it's just very difficult because, man, wow. Suddenly, you know, like, we're the only people that God cares about? You know, like, you get to that point where you're like, we're the only people God cares about. Really? You know, and, and it feels like evangelicalism hasn't always been this. You know, like these are the same people that outpoured money and support 
to places in Africa and places in the Caribbean and places like that. So it just kind of blows my mind what it's turned into, which unfortunately is a collapse of some sort of moral compass that was against that. I think some might argue that that kind of missional mindset of evangelical churches to send money and missionaries to Africa and places and uh, wherever missionaries go is a form of colonialism. Colonialism. Colonial. Colonialism. Am I saying that right? You had it right the first time. Yep. Oh, good. Um. And so, if you're coming from that mindset, nothing has changed. Uh, from uh, from the evangelical church. Yeah, but but I don't know. I I just want to give grace to people because I think grace has been given to me. And I just kind of want to give them grace because I don't think it's an intentional colonialism. I think it's a response to people going, wow, there's a lot of issues in the world. And so this was their approach. But it seems like what Jeffress is doing, awesome name, by the way, what um, Jeffress is doing is he is almost saying we don't have to care about anyone else. Because I think 20, 30 years ago, there would have been what we call evangelicals now would have raised up a question and said, hey, are we really doing what we were supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of the, the rub for me. It's I don't think evangelicalism has... I don't think evangelicalism as a whole has sold its soul. I think its leadership has decided that this is the only way to stay relevant. Because I think evangelicalism depends on being relevant. Hmm. You know, like, well, how else can the church remain relevant? Cause, because evangelical churches don't have much to say about racial issues. Um, what they have to say about LGBTQ plus issues is, someone argued, not always for public consumption. And if you're going to talk about economic issues, they also don't have you know, a torch to hold with other groups. How do they stay relevant? Well, they got to be hook, line, and sinker about this. So in the article, um, I'm just going to read this whole section because... Uh, no, please do. Give it's, it in it's, all its It's glory. a nice little chuckle. Um, the biblical passage, Romans 13, I'll touch on Romans 13 in a second gives the government authority to deal with evildoers, Jeffress said. That gives the government the authority to do whatever, whether it's assassination, capital punishment, or evil punishment, to quell the actions of evildoers, like Kim Jong-un, he said. He said that many pacifist Christians will cite Romans 12, those darn pacifist Christians, which says, do not repay evil for evil. But Jeffress says that the passage is referring to Christians, not the government. There's a lot in this, in that little bit you read, that I just really don't like, and I don't know where to start. Well, Romans 13. Um, I don't know if you guys have Romans 13 open. Um, it's let, let everyone be subject to the govern, governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Um, and it goes on for that, uh, for seven other verses. Um, this reminds me a lot, a lot of render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Mm-hmm. And not so much of what Jeffress is saying. Jeffress is saying, yeah, here, here, here you go. Here's your authority, granted by God. Do what the heck you got to do. Um, but, but it feels more like um, a change of perspective. It's okay. We've got this this government. Um, we've had government for a long a long time. Um, it was instituted in um, in what we have uh, the Old Testament, and um, here's how we deal with it. Here's what's got to happen. That's what I get from this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's not unlimited authority to government to do whatever they want. 
Well, I love it how he, how he immediately boxes people into a corner when he says pacifist Christians. It's like, wait a minute, you don't have to be a hundred percent pacifist and still have some serious questions about what he says. You know, like like he's like, there's me, and then there's pacifists. Like his language is clear. I also wonder because no, no, no you, you're right with render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God's what is God's. But it's funny because the way that the first century would have heard that is you give everything to God and you give your money to Caesar. You know, like, and I don't think they would, I don't think they would say that about the text. I think they would say, no, what Jesus really means is you kind of give your spiritual stuff and your prayer and, you know, like, like the tithe thing, because we need that to do what, all that we're doing right now to God. And then everything else is kind of yours. And then the government kind of gets some like they're, they're healthy with that idea. And whereas what Jesus is really saying is if you're giving to God, what is God? God owns everything. You give God everything. And then there's some things that belong to Caesar, but that's just money and that's unimportant. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like that's, Wow. Like, that's a radical statement, and I think, you know, you brought it up. I know he didn't, but it, it's one of those things where I don't think he realizes just how foreign, strange, and radical the gospel can actually be. Because I think when he reads the text, he looks at a person like him, and he says, that's who it was meant for. You know, like, like there's no space to have other perspectives and there's no space to all agree that we're not doing it right because once you create that community of wow maybe we've all kind of misunderstood what Jesus is talking about it's, a, it's, it's so much easier when you're like wow Jesus actually means we have to give everything to God I don't think I can do that I don't think I can do that either you know like, like you start to have a conversation and then it actually changes how you think about the world. Whereas I think really what, what Jeffress is doing is, is he's saying, look, the world is how it should be and it's awesome. We need to maintain it. And it's like, oh man, I am not sure that that's correct. I'm honest. I'm not sure that's correct. Well, I'm more than just not sure. I'm 100% sure that's not correct, that the world is not how it should be. Um, but I think if you were to ask that question to Jeffers, he would be like, yeah, the world, the world is pretty much how it should be. There's a few countries like North Korea and Iran, but we'll deal with them. Because God's justice winds up being the United States justice. Yeah. Which I just don't think is true. Mm -hmm. The United States has done some awesome things. It, like... The United States has done some awesome things with the authority and the ability to enact justice. However, just because we've been good at it, you know, like just because we've we've had some moments, does that mean that we have every moment now? I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's expected of America to carry out God's justice. You're right. And I think America is incapable of doing such. Because as much as everyone would like to say that America is a Christian nation, um, it's not. It can't be and it won't be. Where there's too many people who, despite what they put on their census sheet, uh, aren't Christians. There are good people in this country that are of other faiths. There are bad people in this country of other faiths. There are bad people in this country of the Christian faith. It's impossible for us to... For any justice that America decides to carry out, it's impossible to expect that to be God's justice. Yeah, you're right. I, I just think America has ridden some pretty good waves you know like like nazism somebody yeah. probably should have done something about that you know 
did the United States necessitate that, or did the United States say, hey, we think we have the authority of God to do this? I'm sure some did. Like, like my, my point is that you are absolutely right. I don't think any government is in the position to claim anything that they represent the will of God. Because God's going to do what God's going to do. Because if we believe in a living God, then God is doing what he's going to do. Um, but that's super uncomfortable for evangelicals. Because they need an answer and they need the story that they're the true Israel or that they're the new Israel to make sense. Because that's the story they've told. And if they can't tell that story anymore, then maybe just maybe they have to embrace some things that they're not really on board with right now. And I don't think they're there. You mentioned um, Nazis in World War II and America's response to that. I'm going to transition a little bit here. Nazis bad. Hitler bad. Um, but was war and violence the right response to violence and genocide? I think you should back up. And... <laughs> I think you should just back up. Yeah. Just, oh, okay. Because yep. I'm gonna come over there and fight you. Is this, is this better over here? Uh, because I think, um, like, not necessarily in response to, to, to that kind of like to genocide, as you said, but what do you? What is God's opinion of violence? Like in right. general. And that's that's what I wanted to get to. Okay. I was just you, you threw in the G word, so God Gen genocide. Oh genocide. Yeah. <laughs> Gentile. Yeah. Gopher. Gethsemane. Golf. Grape. Grape juice. Welches. So I <laughs> sorry. I, I'm pointing you towards that direction because um um well, most of you guys have have probably heard me talk about uh, Greg Boyd's new work um, with uh, the Crucifixion of a Warrior God. It's this big 1,400-page uh, tenure work. Vomit on a page, basically. That's <laughs> vomit on a page. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 nicer than that. But you know, he's he's put his his last ten years into this 1,400 pages. So when you say vomit on a page, you mean he's put his everything into it. Yes. Have you okay. never heard that His phrase? No, I've page. never heard that phrase. John, have you heard that before? Yeah, I've heard it. Okay. I followed you. Okay, cool. It's just it's just a, a north of uh, whatever your city is. North of uh, Interstate 70? Yeah, exactly. Okay. We, we, we use that phrase up here. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to our land. Uh, anyways, uh, there's that one in the end. He has got a what he calls the popular version um cross vision which is what i uh got the chance to read and um he he doesn't he's not trying to deal with violence uh today necessarily he's more trying to rationalize the old testament violence with the christ on the cross and he would say that not only is God's plan for creation to be one of nonviolence, but also all of the violent portraits of God in the Old Testament can point to the crucified Christ, which is a fairly significant undertaking, <laughs> which is why it took him 1,400 words. Um, but, but that's what he's... Um, he's doing and, and so while that doesn't speak to World War II necessarily and specifically mm -hmm. I think we can apply it to World War II um, because this reminds me sorry of the I'm the producer I'm talking too much no it's fine <laughs> uh, this reminds me of the conversation we started to have on the way to the Tigers game <laughs> no it wasn't the Tigers game because somebody else was in the car I don't remember we started to have this conversation I think did we 
Yeah. Because I was talking about... Um, doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, I'll see you at Greg Boyd and raise you one Rob Bell. <laughs> Ooh, that's not a good raise. It depends what side you're coming from. Just don't raise me Francis Chan. True. Please don't. Oh, <laughs> man. Man. That could be a whole 50-minute rant. Not even rant. It would just be a weird discussion about what's he up to right now. I'm not saying he hasn't done good work, but he signed the Nashville statement, so I will never bring him up. That's what I... That's We talked about that last week. Right. Okay. Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. <laughs> Excuse me. Bi-weekly podcast. I'm sorry. That <laughs> was your idea. Keep um, on track here. So anyway, in Rob Bell's new book... Uh, what is the Bible? And it has a long subtitle. There's one portion of it where he talks about uh, violence in the Old Testament and how uh, was, was is that just war? Did God want those people to die? Did God call his people to violence? Or did people want to enact violence and kill people and then say they were doing it in the name of the God in name in the name of God? Not unsimilar to something like the Crusades. Um, God said he gave us this land. People are occupying this land, so he must want us to kill them. And then, so they do it and then blame it on God later if it turns out well. Hmm. So maybe the violence isn't pointing towards the Christ. It's ha- it has nothing to do with God. It's being blamed on God. I'm not saying that God can't work through that violence, after that violence, but I don't think God, especially the God I know in the New Testament, would wish that upon any people. Because they're all his people. Yeah. Um, and, and like the the most clear picture of God that I have that I can recognize is the human form of God uh, who uh, many call Jesus um, <laughs> that guy uh, you looked a little lost there I, I was I, actually I, yeah, on my phone I, yeah. can you stop texting or recording a podcast nope. please um, so in that I relate best to the human form of God um, one of the coolest pictures that I see that kind of informs my opinion of violence is when Jesus is about to be crucified and Peter with a strike a stroke a stroke of bravery yeah stroke picks out a sword flails it at a dude's ear and it's an attempt to stop what's about to happen and Jesus says put away your sword for those who what's what's the The, what's the phrase? Uh, live by the sword, die by the sword? That, oh, live by the sword, die by the sword. Is that it? Yeah. Um, no, I think that's such a cool moment. And I, I have a hard time having this discussion and trying to get past that moment. I, I, I just... I have a hard time reconciling the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament after having read what is the Bible and understanding that maybe it wasn't God that wanted the war. It was people that wanted the war. I have a lot a lot easier time reconciling the two. Mm-hmm. And I don't doubt for a minute that God can work through circumstances it's it's like right now with all the hurricanes and fires and earthquakes and other natural disasters uh, a lot of people are claiming that uh, this is God's will God's causing this because our world is living in sin and no God does not want people to suffer and die whether they're sinning or not he's not causing any hurricanes or fires or anything like that. This isn't judgment. Just some really crappy, 
coincidences and circumstances. But you bet your britches that, yeah, bet your britches, strong language, that God is going to work through those hurricanes for the good of people and stuff. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm quiet. <laughs> I just... I hear that, and then I, I hear Peter being rebuked by Jesus. Maybe not rebuked, but reminded. Um, and Jesus reattaches the ear, but... Man, I, I, C.S. Lewis nails it when he talks about Aslan in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the kids ask if, it, if, if he's safe. And the beavers go, no, he's not. He, he, no, he's not safe. I think what's toughest for me is being authentic to the wholeness of Scripture on this issue. Um, because the wholeness of Scripture represents God in so many different ways. And I think sometimes God is a God who does violence and not but not not the way we think of it as violence you know violence when everything comes out in the wash for us there's always motivations that are unfounded or moves that shouldn't have been made and i think i see the god of of the old testament maybe Not in the light of some sort of bloodthirsty monster, but just someone who has a plan. And then, you know, you, you get to the end with, with, with Revelation. Like, I would buy way more in to total... I would buy way more into total pacifism if John did not describe... Jesus and would not make an apocalypse with so much imagery that alludes to warfare, mm-hmm. I would have a lot easier time. Because I, I think John does say that God fights for us. And like to that degree or extent, I, I do think God commits some sort of action on our behalf. Um... I would feel a lot better about pacifism if um, Ananias and Sapphira, like, if they weren't uh, killed instantly. Like, I would feel so much better about about it. Now. I mean, some would argue that it was their own shame and guilt that killed them and not God. Sure. And and that's definitely an interpretation to take. I, I just think it's it's difficult for me to say that God is pacifism when I live in a world that is constantly protected by weaponry and you know like like and, and this is kind of my issue with first it's, it's, it's first world problems you know I I definitely think there's a better route than what we have but I don't think we are necessarily the people that need to be leading the argument of pacifism or not I think that's a third world question. The third world deals with very real levels of violence. The third world, they know, the third world Christians know what it's like to be persecuted for the faith and to actually die by the gun or, you know, by the machine gun as opposed to the sword. But they know what that's like. I would be way more interested in, into their perspective than I would mine because I... I think at the end of the day, I, I definitely think Jesus is way more pacifist than I'm comfortable with. You know, like, like not meaning that's a good thing because it bothers, you know, like it means I got a long way to go. But I definitely think Jesus is way more pacifist than I want him to be as someone who's surrounded by weaponry. However, I don't think I can appropriately answer that question. All I can say is, man, I think Jesus is a lot more peaceful than we are. 
I think Jesus has a lot to say about our preemptive striking. Mm. I think Jesus has a lot to say about our central intelligence agency that sees fit to spy on every organization just for the heck of it because somehow we could preemptively prevent something. Um, I think Jesus has a lot of things to say about that. But, you know, um, I've got a teammate on one of my one of my uh, sports teams. And, and her one husband, of your many sports teams, right? John? Yeah, I'm just being ambiguous. Um, you know, her, her husband is a member of the Army Corps of Engineers. And... We've had this conversation, and, and it's it's just very difficult for me to say to her the absolutist pacifist viewpoint, because I think at the end of the day, the absolutist pacifist viewpoint doesn't make space for people like her and her husband. And I think if there's anything more that I'm convinced more than pacifism is that Jesus redeems everything and that there's not a place Jesus can't go. And I think that's where I want to leave it, as opposed to, is Jesus pacifist or not, or is, or is God violent or not? Man, I don't have all the data. I can't, because I live in a world that doesn't know violence. I know violence like this much. I, I know violence like a, like a piece of sand on the seashore. And then there are people who, who see oceans of violence and they have a different perspective. I definitely prefer the oceans more than I prefer my little perspective. But I also think that legitimate people trying to live like Jesus who are a part of the military, they have space because God has space for them too. Um, so... I'm not trying to be tricky just to be tricky. And, and I, I'm not trying to say something just to be like, oh, I have something eloquent to say. I, I, I honestly think the question to me is difficult. Yeah, and I, and I really appreciate your perspective. Um, yes, we need that for sure. Because, well, I presented my, my case from the perspective of a pacifist because I would consider myself a pacifist. Um, and... Mr. Jeffress uh, would, would have something to say to me for sure. I, I think it's inter interesting that uh, none of us would go and start a fight with anyone um, necessarily. Maybe if you looked at me funny. Right. Uh, but we all have, well, we don't have the same exact perspective on the topic. Um, if that makes sense. I think that's, I think that's good. I think that's neat. Um, because the body of Christ, the body of Christ is diverse, and um, even here, the three of us are diverse um, in our opinions. Anyway, three white guys. Wow. In our opinions. Yeah, got it. Uh, so, uh, I appreciate that we have different viewpoints. But John, you're wrong, and I hate you. <laughs> yeah, and this I, is why we can't have civil discourse because <laughs> people like you say that. <laughs> Uh, and, and I just, I, I just, I, I think C.S. Lewis hit on something when he says the best way or the way we ought to go to war. He says this in, in The Four Loves, I'm paraphrasing, and I'm probably bot, like butchering it. But he says um, soldiers would be more inclined to go to war not to fight for their nation but for home. And maybe I'm a little more comfortable with that. Um, when one fights for home, when, when one... When one gives everything they have for their neighbors, I don't think that returns null and void. Um, if that means warfare or violence, I don't have a good answer, but I, I definitely think I get tripped up on that one. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm with you guys. Like I definitely think Jesus is way more pacifist than I'm comfortable with, and I want to be more like Jesus. So, hence that involves being less violent, um, I just want to make sure that people know that there's not a place that Jesus can't go. Um, and to my friend from the from the cross country team, Jesus is can go there with you. You know, just stuff like that. That's really all I have on this on this now.
You are fake news. You, you, you are fake news. Fake news. Fake news. From the pages of fake news, introvert hires personal representative to engage in church small talk. Uh, this article can be found on the Babylon Bee, and uh, the link might even be posted in the episode description, or not. Good luck finding it. So, at least myself, I, I'm not an introvert. Uh, I like my alone time, don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm very much extroverted, especially when it comes to church. Uh, John, would you call yourself an introvert or extrovert? I would probably call myself an introvert more than I'm an extrovert. Good. Matt? Do you even have to ask? I don't, but maybe the listeners at home. Why don't you tell them? (laughs) I don't want to put words in your mouth. (laughs) I am an introvert. (laughs) Good. I'm glad I'm the only one. Um, Sometimes we extroverts have a hard time realizing how draining living as a community can be. I'm assuming. Um, does somebody that's actually an introvert, introvert want to talk about an introvert and how hard it is to uh, talk to people? I don't know. <laughs> it's actually quite awful. Like, all the time. Like, there are people that you really connect with, but I think one thing that defines an extrovert is, like, they're energized to, like, have conversation with new people. I'm like, new people can leave. Like... Not in a bad way. I'm just like, I don't know how to have a conversation with you. Like, I don't want to talk to you for four hours about the intricacies of, like, basket weaving. Like, I've honestly had a conversation with someone, and I'm like, this is the worst thing I just that has ever happened. I just don't get that. You could talk about basket weaving for hours on end? I mean, I could find some common ground there. Basket weaving? Like, I honestly dare you to try. But see, the difference between you and me is that I would try. So, uh, American churches uh, are designed for extroverts, and some of us aren't extroverts, and they have a hard time. So maybe be more considerate considerate of our introvert brothers and sisters. Thank you, Dustin. You're welcome. You know, I could really use one of these these uh, personal representatives. Personal rep? Oh. Did you notice it went beyond, though, like Sunday and Wednesday? It was like they'll do all of your, like family like holiday things yes no i hire you now are you taking calls does this person exist so um listeners if you are interested in being a um patron subscribe no, I'm just <laughs> if you are interested in being a personal representative to engage in church small talk for either matt burrows or john hogan uh, find them on twitter and uh <laughs> Let them know. Tweet at us, like, please. I will bring you in. Speaking of tweeting at people. Oh, awesome. A couple shout-outs to some listeners. We'd like to thank uh, Amber Joseph for our new profile pic for Twitter and uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. It's real hot diggity. Go, Amber. Thank you, Amber. America thanks you. Uh. Guys, Jess wanted me to say that she said hi. So everybody say hi to Jess. Hi, Jess. Uh, this is from at pays on my, excuse me, at pays underscore on my feet. Uh, she read or she listened to our last podcast and uh, responded appropriately to my Trump impression. Um, so thank you, Pay. And uh, I, I get the feeling that she doesn't like it. I don't think she likes it either. And uh, on that note, I apologize on behalf of the entire podcast for my Trump impression. Received. I'm going to put it to a committee, so it'll be a few weeks. Okay. If you'd like a shout-out on the podcast, you can uh, tweet at OVO underscore podcast or use the hashtag OVO podcast or tweet at any of us. You can also leave um, comments on SoundCloud and on iTunes. 
Yeah, give us a rating and a we'll, review. We'll recognize you. We'll we'll read you. If yeah. you don't like it, we'll uh, we'll try and change it for you. If you think uh, if you like our podcast, or or if uh, you feel sorry for us, uh, give us a good review on iTunes. Uh, give us a good comment on SoundCloud, and uh, maybe we'll get more listeners. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. So uh, follow the podcast at OVO underscore podcast. Follow John at. At J underscore T-H-O-N 2012. Follow Matt at Matt Burroughs 12. And 12. Follow me at Dust McMillan. No number. I think it's funny. I'm the only one here that graduated in 2012 and you're both using that number. (laughs) And I'm not. Overruled. What? By what authority? <laughs> by his God given authority. invested in me by the year 2012. The world was supposed to end that year. Remember? Are, yeah, you, no, guys, no, 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 are no. you guys using that number because you survived the apocalypse of December 21st, 2012? I think it was more of my cult of Mitt Romney thing, but, you know, whatever. Did you guys watch that movie, 2012? I think I did. A classic I've never seen it. <laughs> well, uh, spoiler, the world ended. There was an arc. They took rich people. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty bad movie. I don't remember. <laughs> it was pretty bad. My The senior t-shirts that year said uh, something about saving the best for last. All right, well, uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. Um, Sponsor us. Just kidding. <laughs> Pod- Matt just wants paid. <laughs> Sponsored by Cinderblock. Cinderblock. When you need a building to stand up, but you don't want to actually use brick. Cinderblock. Thanks, John. Yep. Uh, you want me to do white paint? What else? So, do uh, listen to our podcast posted uh, bi-weekly Thursdays at four. Um, thanks, Mom, for listening. Bye. Hasta mañana. Oh, hi,